My friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. And I'll be okay. Cause I've got friends in low places. Who is that? Garth Brooks. Okay, that's why I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Not really a country fan. but Not a huge country fan, but country is expressed quite a bit on the show, so I yeah. got a lot of respect for that. Well, in construction, you meet a lot of place uh, people that have come from low places. Oh, you meet a lot of cast of characters, I call yeah. them, man. A lot of interesting individuals. Yeah, it's a cultural experience. Yeah. People from all over the world. <laughs> well... Thank you for getting the painful part out of the way, Steve. Everyone says it's painful, and then they say, oh, we don't mind it that much by the end of the show. So welcome, and welcome, Royce. Thank you. So you guys are both together as three-way. That's the idea? Yes. So we're going to talk about three-way, but you guys are tapers, but then you guys came up with something that's connected to taping and industry, drywall industry. And I think everybody that's been listening knows that I haven't done a taper mutter drywall show in a little while i've been trying to get you guys on the show but you guys are very very shy and always too busy well yeah it's true you're busy but i mean so is every other trade not yeah. saying that you guys are more or less important i'm just saying that everybody's busy right so obviously this show is going to be about uh that industry that segment of the industry the trades people in that industry i just want to give out the deets here uh steven and royce are here from three-way and it's three-way.ca and it's three-way the world at gmail.com and the youtube channel is three-way drywall corner finishing and on instagram is three-way the world before we get started, thank you to Flooring Solutions for the tee that I'm wearing today. So they do a lot of self-leveling material, a lot of commercial high-rise stuff like that, or retail commercial. And uh, thanks so much for the tea. And uh, now we can get on with the show. Where do you guys want to begin? How many years, Royce, have you been in the business? Over 50. 50. So you're like what, 52, 53? I'm close to 70. <laughs> Pretty much 70 years old. I started when I was 15. Wow, man. So you got a lot of, um, you've seen it change, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah. When I started, I started out painting. When I started painting, they didn't even have, you didn't go to a paint store and have your paint tinted. You had to learn how to match your colors yourself. On site? Yeah. With, what did you use for color? Well, you had several tubes, you know. Of different colors, and you'd have to look at the wall and go. Oh, that was a little are we really going that far back? Are we gonna like? It's are like we going fifty some years ago? Are, we, are, are you one of the guys in those videos that all the young guys are sharing on IG, hanging two by four sheets of drywall on the on the wall? Is that how far back we're going? They had just moved past that by the time I was taping. Wow! When I, when I started taping, you couldn't buy the tools you buy now. They were all controlled by Ames. You could only rent them. Now you can. Now there's Columbia and all kinds of. Yeah, there's all kinds. And I know you guys brought a box of goodies as well, so we can talk. And uh, so, how do you guys know each other? Well, Steve came on the scene when we needed. Uh, we built a software program together first to track. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I was sitting down one day and I went to one of my sons. I said, "Who's a brainiac computer guy?" You know. I said, "I need a software program for me and my drywall friends can walk in a house, track it, and." You know, have some money at the end, right? And that's so where the three-way came from. No, that's where we it, met. It Steve. eventually oh. built to that. Yeah. Um, when I came on board, I was really interested in computer programming and realized right away that construction was a bit of a Wild West routine. Still is. Not a lot of people tracking their receipts, uh, hours. And with drywall finishing, 
once the drywall is all polished and painted, you don't know that on that wall there's 20 patches or how much time actually went into making a beautiful finished product. So tracking people's time, are they at the coffee shop or sleeping under some insulation or are they getting the job done and taking pictures of it, invoicing all of which that software kind of enveloped and made the whole process trackable, which is a huge part of construction. <coughs> Bottom line, you're, that's where you're going to succeed or fail if you're paying attention to all those numbers. I love it, man. I want, let's do this because we just make this stuff as we go along, right? I'd love to spend the first third of the, the show, the first act, so to speak, about your experience, Royce, and how the whole industry has changed to what it is today and how you got in in comparisons. I'd love to do the middle where we talk about three-way and, and what you guys came up with and then talk about the future in the third act, right? Is that totally cool with you guys? <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I'm fascinated, and, and you look great. Honestly, Royce, for, for 70, I wish I look as good as you at 70 when I get to that point in 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, right? So it's changed quite a bit, and, and what's the number one thing that's changed that you see? Well, there's just all kinds of, all kinds of little things have changed. Um, for one thing, there was no WSIB when I started. No. There was no such what thing. Was there, was, was there anything if someone got hurt? No. Nothing? No. Well, you know, walk it off. Yeah, <laughs> but my legs off, like off, like walk it off. How am I supposed to walk it off? I know. <clears throat> well, back then, if you, uh, yeah, back then there wasn't any of those, all those safety regulations, and it's old school stuff. I mean, I had to fix a few holes in the wall from my own head from missing something. You know, your boss bang your head in the wall says, "Fix that on your own time. Don't miss that next time." You know, so th that was apprenticeship. <laughs> was the drywall? Denser back then than it was today? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I assume. It was full of <laughs> asbestos. They are used to just sparkle, you know. Yeah. From the sunlight come through, because it was in your mud. We used to finish sand with 80 grit sandpaper. You literally. And you'd get a nice finish, because your mud's full of asbestos. So was the board. When you cut your board, it used to break sharp and nice. You never had bubbles coming out of your... But it had asbestos, though, and you guys are cutting and yeah. snapping, and nobody's wearing any kind no. of mask whatsoever. No, 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 no. Wow. How, how far along did drywall keep asbestos in it? How far into? It was quite a while. It was, I don't remember the year that the big asbestos scare came out and everything started changing. Um, Ames is still around, aren't they? they yes. Are. Yeah. And they're still a huge player, right? They are. Okay, so it's just funny that 50 years ago they were renting everything to everybody. Well, they had uh, Monopoly, right? Yeah. So nobody else could manufacture, and they would only rent. You couldn't buy them. And back then it was like 100 bucks a month. So that's 50 years ago. You imagine the money they were making with a million sets out. Wow. <laughs> they but had it locked up on <laughs> But I had the lock on all automatic tools, like something like this, a, a flat box. So if you wanted that, you had to rent it yeah. from them. Yeah. There was no other place to get this. No That's other. Right. There was no Amazon. You couldn't drive to somewhere and pick it up at the time, of course, right? So Columbia was one of the first guys to come out with their own set after the fran after the monopoly ended for Ames. So this would have been what the the eighties or? Yeah, probably. I'm yeah. not great with dates. No, no, no okay. Yeah. So that would have been all kinds of drywall. That would have been, I guess, all high rise, all and then custom and subdivision. That would have been everything. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they control the tools. I just I just want everybody listening because the majority of the audience that listens to the show are the younger generation, right? Younger than all of us here, right? I don't know. How old are you, Steve? 44. Yeah, a lot younger than all of us here, right? So it's like they have it so good is what I'm trying to say. They have it so good today. <clears throat> well, the, in this, in a way, they do and they don't. I mean, we used to actually have to apprentice. You know, a guy goes now working with someone for six months. He's He's on his own. It's just, and then they just repeat what they've learned for six months, for ten years. And they, I've been taping for twenty years, but you still don't know how to fill a bead. You still don't know how to leave it full. You know, I can see every nail run in your wall. You know, but that's become standard. So one of the things that you know I seem to always be drawn to was higher end work. Higher end work, always did really nice work. Always ended up. It's like they say, you know, uh, good labor is not paid for it's exploited you know so hmm. so i would always end up in the really fancy houses you don't get paid more they're more work they're harder but they want you there because you do the good job back in that day were the more expensive houses or the projects doing level five or were they just still doing decode <clears throat> that's a very another interesting thing uh, level five never existed back then we um but that's a uk thing that, that's a european thing that they would just plaster coat the whole yeah, wall yeah the whole wall that, we actually started that around 20 years ago. So what happened to it? Well, level, what we did was we used to do a regular drywall job, and we used to do a lot of billionaires' homes. Um, anyhow, we, it, and we would do a regular job, decent, you know, good job, and then we'd cover the whole wall and trawl in the direction of your flats, and we actually leveled out the wall. And uh, one of the contractors was, was asking us, like, what do I tell my clients this is so we can define it, you know, for, for what you're doing? And uh, uh, my partner at the time, he said, let's call it level five. And boom, <laughs> that's what we called it. And I think because it was in that billionaire market, you know, that the word kind of got around um, about, oh, level five. Do you have level five, you know? It was kind of funny because a contractor said to us one time, yeah, I had these drywallers come in and ask them to bid the job and ask them what they charge for level five. They didn't even know what it was. And I'm saying, what kind of drywall company doesn't even know what level five is? Get out of here. But it, it hadn't, it didn't, ex the concept really didn't exist until we started that. And now it's literally international. So it was fun to watch that spread like a virus. <laughs> Way before social media yeah. days. So what level five has become is kind of up to that taper. There is no real standard set down for what it is. When, when we were doing it, we still do it, but it was making sure you trowel in the direction of your flats both times so you take out every slight variance, you know. There was, this, there was a whole process to make sure that that wall was level and smooth. Basically, people skim out the wall now and that's, say that's level five. So. But that's not level five. Not from what we were doing, not no. from our standard, no. We'd so take out Darby trawls. Any bead, bead that was within four feet of another bead would be Darby'd flat, you know, and filled. And what length of Darby's were you guys using back in the day? <coughs> well, up to eight feet. Wow. Yeah. And was it easily handled then? At the, at like, yeah. There's a skill. There's a skill yeah. attached yeah, to yeah. the whole Darby thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not a matter of that I own a Darby. It doesn't matter I own two, four, six, whatever, eight foot. I have to have the skill attached to that Darby. Yeah. Like every tool. So, man, I got a world of questions, man. I know, Steve, it was great that you, you suggested bringing Royce on board, but I'm also fascinated that you can educate a lot of the current guys because I think a lot of the trades that are in this industry now, they just buy all the fancy tools. Yeah, I think 
a tool can't replace the amount of time and skill and, and understanding all the different facets that go into it. Hey, Royce is a legend in, in the trade and has developed, as, as we were talking about, the level five finish. Um, yeah, I think it's better to hear anything about taping from a man with this much experience. I, I like to sit back a little No, time. which is great, but I, I don't yeah. want you to be a part of the conversation because I've got a world of questions to ask. Awesome. But I, I think it's important, uh, like anything, to understand where we came from, how it all started, and the purpose behind all of it. It's not just a matter of looking really great on social media and having all the cool latest toys that are attached to it and say that you're a skilled trades person. I think that you still have to achieve that skilled trades person title. Right. And that's where you guys came in. So when you guys got started, it was all hawk and trowel and you guys were just doing there was no machining. Right. So it was all done by skill. Right. But how did you pick it up? How did you learn it? Well, I actually learned it. Um, I was I was originally a painter, you know, so yeah. I, was, I was painting, but I wanted to get out of painting because I was I was tired of that. It's the same problem today as it was 50 some years ago. Is the painter? You walk in the house. He's one of the last trades in. They always promise you can just have the run of the house. You know, you price it accordingly. Uh, that's never true. You go in. Can you just do this first? Can you just do that first? You never. don't mind if the if the floor guy shows up. Or, yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Next thing, the house is full of people, and you're trying to make money. So I decided I got to go taping because I watch those tapers, and nobody ever interrupts their work. You know, it just. So I just started taping, uh, taking on a job after hours. And the boom was so intense. This was back in Alberta. The boom was so intense, they'd hire anybody. You know, they just needed bodies. Yeah. So I, I went in and, uh, and learned uh, most of it myself by going to talk to other experienced guys. How do you run this tool? How do you run that tool? And then slowly learned what all those defects in the walls were from as a painter, you know, and how to get them right. So. But as a plaster, as a mutter, you're only as good as the sheets that are hung and the walls that are framed. Well, to a point, um, that's one of the things that used to kind of annoy me in some of the custom homes until our boarding crews really learned how to level up a wall was, you know, framing with mud to get it straight, you know. So <coughs> I'm framing by mud, I mean, having yeah. to build up so much mud. I know, mud that's what that, I mean, but that's not the way it's supposed yeah. to be, right? Yeah, but you need really skilled uh, guys with metal and board to get, you know, because we did a lot of these contemporary homes. In a contemporary home, you can't have an eighth of an inch variance to do it right, to get your reveals right and everything. So that's a lot of very precision um, shimming and lining up of your work. And so it's a whole other level than just... So it wasn't just taking the circular saw and cutting the two-by-four and just, like, pushing the board into place. you got to have a laser. you got to have it squared. you got to have it... Right, you know, because yeah. it's from the ground up, it's working. If yeah. you have a building that's out of whack, by the, it's going to, in a, in, a, in a contemporary home, it's going to show up. You're going to have to compensate somewhere. Are guys doing that today, though? Very few. Because I, 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 I hear the argument is that the money isn't in the quote for them to actually spend that time and effort. You have to know how to get that kind of money. You have to have that kind of reputation. We got up to $10 a square foot to... Uh, to board and tape. Back in the day. Yeah, not that many days ago. It wasn't that long. It was a few years ago. Okay. We we're doing massive, um, you know, billionaire homes. And <clears throat> what's subdivision? Like, what's the price point in subdivision land these days? I don't know, but I think they're around 45 cents a foot, something like that. 
it could 60 be cents. anywhere from 50, 60 cents, cents to a dollar for just the tape finishing, 50 cents for hanging boards. Not a dollar with Union. You're not getting a dollar. That's like scary. You got, that's, like, that's really scary, no? <coughs> you can still make money, though. But that's why you look up in a three-way and you see a mess, you know? It's not, it's, it's rounded out, it's chipping out, it's not taped tight in. you got to fly to make money. and it, You can, but... <coughs> and the level five finish is, you know, the different levels of taping, you have a level one finish where it's just a bit of mud and a tape, yeah. like a, a fire situation. And garage, like, typical garage. garage. Yeah. That's right. Or the top behind uh, ceiling tiles or something like yeah. that, fire separations. Yeah. And then you have a one coat of mud over top of it, and two coats is kind of a subdivision thing. And that could be done very quickly, just a couple of days. Once you get into the third coat, light checking, maybe even a fourth, and then the fifth final from bead to bead, all the lights, everything is completely <coughs> flat. Yeah, it's a whole different levels of how finishing is done. Steve talks about light checking. He's, that's because he's worked with me for you know, a lot of years working with us, been around. But you're not going to find subdivision guys no. going, th going through with lights, no. light checking. They just pull sand. They in. don't even have a flashlight. Like <laughs> yeah. No, no, not at all. You just burn it off. It's done. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and that's Batteries cost money. And that's yeah. what they got to do. I'm not putting down those tapers. They have to do that to make money. You can't be. But you could still do a, you know, a decent job. Are they still doing subdivisions today where they're only doing one coat on the ceiling so they can shoot it with stucco? Or oh, yeah. They're still doing that today. Popcorn ceilings. Wow, and wow. Uh, I can't believe that. And then it's an upgrade, I guess, if you want no popcorn ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they charge you more. So, I mean, the drywall industry is kind of a cutthroat industry, no? Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's is. it's got more bad than good, right? And there's lots more cowboys than sure. rock stars, right? Yeah, I get, sure. Is it because everyone just finally realizes I can't make money unless I become a bad person in this industry? Well, well, if you're calling a bad person, someone who's just racing through their work to get it done. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they got that's a bad person yeah. to me. If you're going to get um, decent money, it's going to be. Mostly through your reputation. you got to build up the rep that people skill. say, I want that kind of work. I'm willing to pay for it. So, And then you have to have the skills to do it as well, which is very thin. I think in construction, if, if you want any sort of longevity at all, you have to put in the time and energy to have a good finished product. Uh, yeah, you can run through things and, and put out Kijiji ads and do all these little knockoff jobs, but it's not going to have a lifespan to it. Um, to learn, we'll call it the old school way, to be able to hand do everything, get it really nice and smooth and light check, you're going to have a very long career that pays very well. An interesting thing back in the, you know 50 years ago is in Alberta, it always had a higher standard of work. It, Why? Well, because the banks used to actually uh, send inspectors around to make sure Assess. The, the finish was proper. They'd measure your flat to make sure it was wide enough. They would, you know, put something up against the That's wall. That's not happening today. No. Even with the bank assessments and, and milestones, that doesn't happen. The yeah. bank doesn't care at all about finish anymore. It's only structural. They don't care about finish. Your finish can be good or bad. They don't care. In Alberta as well, they had part of the 
home inspection while you're building. Uh, you have your checkoffs of electrical, rough in, mechanical, and so on and so forth. They checked drywall. They would check the finish. So when did they, at what point did they just say, we don't need to check drywall anymore? It was more in the 80s. It just... I guess because they just wanted to, well, the 80s, we had a boom, you know, the good old Reagan years. Um, and then we had the recession, though. So they stop, I, I, I guess, at the point of the recession, trying to bring the economy back. And they said, we, we can't keep on looking at things because it's going to slow us approving mortgages or lines of credits to well, get out there. Either that or when the banks started selling all their mortgages to the Chinese and, <sighs> and it had nothing to do with them, really. They were just the middle. It was just a number. Yeah. Now it was just a matter of putting together a bunch of mortgages and selling them off to the to the Chinese. So maybe it didn't didn't seem like it was affecting people's health and safety. Where somebody could get electrocuted, we better check out that electrical panel. Yeah, you still you still have to now still do the right kind of plumbing and electrical. That's pretty. And you still got the inspection stages. Yeah. But there's a lot of inspections that don't happen that I still don't agree with and i agree with you guys on drywall the same way i agree with roofing is never inspected mm -hmm. which i disagree with i mean I, like you've got all of your money sunk right underneath this structure that if it's not done properly oh the water yeah. is the most damaging thing that can happen to a building you know if the roof isn't right yeah you've got rotten walls uh, but nobody inspects it because now we're just basically numbers attached to a credit system to approval to just get it done and then start paying your monthly from that point on. That's it. So just get it done and that's how you get the bad persons out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they can, uh, yeah, but you can still make really good money doing it. It's just you got to build it a certain way. You got to build your brand a certain way and, and you got to lead by your skill. Yeah, 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 yeah. It takes... No, not just being a good tradesman. It doesn't just take that. It takes introducing yourself, saying hi. Like, it, you know, and it takes uh, major commitment, you know. As you know, in any trade, you want to build your rep. You know, the guy needs something done. If you have to go out Saturday and do it, do it. You know, you do what you have to. You make sure that that customer is satisfied no matter what, even if you're losing money. Like, to build your, your rep, you got to do it right. So, Royce, I want to ask you, um, the conversations between you and clients back then versus the conversations that you guys are having with clients today, is there a difference or is it the same kind of, has a client progressed? I would say, I don't know if you'd call it progression, but they certainly, with YouTube and everything now, yeah, you have... You they know, think. Yeah, they, they, are you using the, you know, I watched on YouTube and they use this kind of tape and how come you're using that? And many of them think they know better than you that's true you, so when you're working in people's houses you have to know how to manage them too you, know, you almost have to be a psychologist these days to uh, do it's part of it it's part of the business i think it's dealing with new clients they may have watched a few videos of how things should be done but you can always educate a client on look at this wall that's existing in your house right now and you see this little circle where the screw wasn't put in far enough or too far and now it's cracked out in this wavy wall you turn your light on and it looks like a river stream on the wall you point these kind of things out and and then people become more aware of the different levels of finishing and can expect that it's going to look a certain way and they you train their eyes in construction you start to get eyes and 
you start to get the ears of how tools should sound and how the finished product should look. You know, if you look at any, go on any job where they're taping, and you'll see these nail runs. Yeah. Right? I don't know, for 30 years, my nails aren't spotted any bigger than a quarter, individually. I spot them. Because when you, when you sand that out and you paint that out, you don't see that. The Those, nail runs. Yeah, it eliminates them. But you have to spot them small and individually. And it's funny, you do that because it's a much superior job. And one guy thinks you're trying to do shortcuts, you know, <laughs> because he's seen this all the time, you know. And it's hard for him to imagine. You only need that nail screws like that big. You only need a small thing to cover that. And the reason I do one indi nails individually is because then you don't miss those other nicks and everything else in the wall. If you're doing this, you miss a lot. Plus you have streaks down your wall. I'm, I'm ready to start making a lot of new friends. Um, I've always had that mindset. I never liked nail runs mm -hmm. because the amount of pressure that you have at the starting point is not equal to the amount of pressure you have at the end point. So you cannot guarantee that if you're hitting three or four nail nails, screws or whatever, um, that you're getting the equal amount of mud on each of those. So you're getting a variety of stuff. So it's not really, it looks from a distance, it's proper, but it's not. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well. Uh, There's a lot of ways to finish a job, but that one, you know, about the framing that you were talking about before, if the framing's off and then the drywall and you're creating all sorts of different planes, taping can be a bit of artistry and illusion to make everything flat. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a screw, 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 and you run one layer of mud, yeah, there's going to be inconsistencies of its levelness. There's going to be more here, less here, and it saves a lot of time in the long run about just sanding. Now you don't have to sand this whole long patch. You're just doing this one little area to make it disappear. And you're oversaturating the board with more mud here and there. It's just, it can be faster, but not really in the end. And it doesn't end up with a beautiful finished product. Royce, Royce has got a lot to say here. <laughs> have you ever noticed you go in a house? I don't know if you've noticed this, but one day you'll see every nail. Looks like they're missed a coat or something. Next day, you don't really notice it. It's all humidity levels. So one of the things I do, even in subdivision, is I throw hardener into my mud, 25% hardener, and I hit, it's got to be about 25%. If it's 100%, it'll swell. If it's less, it doesn't make it. It's around 25%. You hit each individual one. That hardener sets that nail so that when you fill it again, there's not enough of that mud that can absorb and shrink. The hardener's not going to move. So the nail stays in place no matter what the humidity. So it's the same thing with bead. It's, I always throw hardener in there too, so you don't get beads. So when you're saying hardener? I like 20, you know, or 5 or 45 sheetrock. There's yeah. different types of hardeners. Yeah. Sheetrocks. But the industry loves premix. Yeah. And only living by premix. Yeah, well, everybody pretty well does that. I throw a hardener in the mud. And then, and then work it with that for yeah. that reason. Yes, which I agree with you. So it stays full, doesn't shrink up. And it also holds your bead on, you know, like um, if you notice you go in the house, beads cracking all the time and shrinking all up the sides. Part of it is because the wall's not boarded right in the first place. Because when you have like, a, like an inside arch, you board the inside first 
and then you let the board overlap. So when that stud shrinks, it can't pull this back. Yes. And then when you use screws to screw it all off, and it pulls those screws in, they're popping. And so you don't use screws to put on your beads. It's done all the time, but it shouldn't. I just use stapler to hold it in there, hardeners to... Have you guys not gone the road of uh, trim techs and spraying corner bead on and using plastic? Totally depends on the job, which is going to be the best product. So what but defines yeah. a job that you're going to be using a plastic corner bead versus a metal corner bead? I generally prefer trim Texas stuff. It's, okay. It seems more durable. Once the job's completely done, you hit that, it's not going to send a, a big crack line down the bead edge. It's easier to take some pieces out and replace them. It's easier to cut. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I like it too, but it depends on price too because metal is so much faster to throw on. True. So, and if it's a more, if the, you know, if it's a more pricey job, you know, and they, yeah, because your plastic beads are, are better. They're, they're not going to crack as easy and that kind of stuff. So, so I want to ask you uh, guys, um, what was the mud and the drywall? I know you mentioned asbestos and everything at the very beginning there. Who's making the best board these days? Who's making the best mud these days? And how many people can we upset? Well, I don't know if you get the best <laughs> mud here. We have, uh, we have um, CGC, basically. You know, there's not a lot of different brands. It's like two or three, no? In like the three. West, they had uh, Cinco mud, which... I don't even know that one. Okay. Yeah. Where are they from? The West. They gained about West. I'm sure so you So Canadian-based. I don't know that. I don't oh, know. Okay. I just know I could get it there, and it was really nice mud, but it never, never could get it. What well. made it really nice mud? Just the way it was trialed yeah. on? No, it was just it was a smoother mud. It was nicer to sand. Um, it's hard to define. <laughs> it, you know, less air bubbles in the stuff. You know, I'm still trying to get over the 80 grit, man. Yeah, for, for <laughs> asbestos work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to get over that, man. We sometimes well, yeah. need to use it on hardeners, you know, <laughs> the 20s. Uh. The other thing, too, is when you used 80 grit and sanded it out, you didn't rough up your board. Your board wasn't all roughed up. These days, you can rough up the face of the board, you know, with 150. Yeah. Why is that? Because the paper is much thinner yeah, these days? Yeah, the paper just wears easier. And, and, like, I mean, drywall now looks like an arrow bar, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. full of flaws and there's all kinds of holes and it's just yeah, bubbles. They say they do it for what? For light, right? They want it to be lighter. No, I don't. I've never heard that. You can get like light board deliberately that way. Or the air pockets and stuff in the boards. Just I think it's from recycling and it's flawed. You know, you got it all job all done. You roll it a wall and then you get a bubble on your wall. You cut it out and it's an air bubble in the board. So. All right, let me do a little history here, guys. It's all. Uh, drywall related i'm i'm loving all this everybody's got to pay attention threeway.ca threeway the world at gmail.com youtube channel is three-way drywall corner finishing three-way the world is on instagram and we're going to basically we just got started in our 24-hour drywall event that we're going to be talking about drywall for the next 24 hours all right guys all right <laughs> history drywall uh the modern day drywall what was it before that lath and plaster no, I guess we might be after that, but before modern day drywall. Sacket board. Hmm. You ever work with any of that? I guess that would have been those boards of two foot by You're talking board. about two foot strips? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is, right? So invented by Augustine Sackett in 1894. Huh. So I, I would have been right after lath and plaster, right? So yeah. it was a core panel of gypsum plaster sandwiched between two thick sheets of paper. So thick sheets of paper. 
uh, intended to be soft enough to allow nails to puncture it, but rigid enough to not collapse. It revolutionized the process of finishing a home, replacing the wet plaster method and reducing install time for day from days or weeks to a single day. Uh, over the years, it has been improved, and now $3 billion is spent on drywall yearly in America alone. $3 billion just on drywall. That's massive, eh? So this is a massive industry, and everybody thinks they're the best. Oh, yeah, don't they? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm still, like, okay, I'm not diminishing, and I'll never do this. I've always said that every trade is as equal as everybody else. I don't care what you say. Every trade is equal. My on um, my job sites, every trade is equal. But for some other reason, the drywallers think they are gods. Like they think that the house is not a home unless the drywall's done, right? It's a big visual impact. Yes, it yeah. is. It is right. But there's a lot of other components that go attached or part of or not part of or whatever. But I just find that when it comes to drywall, the trade, uh, there is a lot of uh, guys on the mountain. Everybody's Girls the on the mountain. Yeah, everyone's. A, yeah, I think it because taping is is different than any other trade, in that it's it pretty much is an art. Like it it takes you four year apprenticeship. You've you can now do it properly, but you're going to improve. You've got a long ways to go. It's kind of like the martial arts. You get up to your black belt, but yeah. you got a lot of dance to go. So. Uh, Taping really takes a person about four years, pretty just about anybody, to get really, really good at it. How long does it take the person today to take it? Take? Six months, they're out taping. You know, and the, the, a lot of stuff. But they wouldn't pass your standards, right? Or are they passing your standards after six months? I still have guys that I work with, and, and I'm, not tr I'm not trying to brag, but every guy that comes to me, I have to work with them quite a bit to get them to where we need them. And they're coming to you already thinking that they're yeah, yeah. high on the mountain. If they're tapers, yeah. Yeah. And it's threatening to them too, you know, to to be told like this has to be better. This like just like with your screws, you know, if you if your screw has broken that paper, that screw has to come out. You can't feel that and just because it looked okay. I'm glad you said that. It man. is gonna show up. It is gonna pop. You know. So I can't take my hammer and just hammer it and every time you bang that board with a hammer, you're busting up the board behind it, it's gonna swell out. Yeah. So you got to use screws. Nails are shouldn't use them anymore. Board can't even take it anymore. You bang that. As soon as you bang that board, you crumple. But it. that was a different board back then when they were using ring shank nails, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's different. Yes. Material changes, and now you got to use screws. Absolutely. But yeah, guys are setting them too quick, or maybe moving too fast. The screws, you know, nobody's the nobody's caring. You know, to make money, it's boom, 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 boom. Their screw gun, you got to replace your screw gun every six months. It's it, The gears are already wobbling a little. As soon as they start not just straight in and out, you're breaking that up and it's just not going to hold as well. Who replaces their screw gun every six months? So, Nobody. No. So as the screws, they as soon as you break that paper, even if it's just on the edge, you're going to get a, it's going to show up down the road. Maybe it takes a year, but it'll show up. So how do you not break the paper? Make sure your screw gun's set right. You know, make sure your board's tight against the stud. Like, especially exterior walls. Press on the board and, you know, because that vapor barrier and insulation can be holding it out a bit so there's still room. You've screwed it off. Looks good, but it can still move. you got to make sure it's tight. It's a feel and a sound. Yeah. And you start to realize what you're looking for. When that gun makes that exact sound, you know. And, and then, of course, you visually check it. You go back and forth. The screw is deep enough, not deep enough, and there is that perfect sweet spot. And as Roy said, 
after it's screwed off, give the board a little touch. Is it moving anywhere? You know. So there's a split to this mountain because I see a lot of the plaster guys, mutters, showing off. But nobody ever gets credit to the borders. Like, nobody's showing off. <coughs> well, a, usually we have to compensate for what the borders have done. It's a very underappreciated yes. trade. Yes, uh, that's where I was headed. The opinion is it doesn't take very much skill, brains. You're a monkey, just hang da, the board. Da, 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 da. I did it for quite a few years, and the complexity of mathematics that you I need agree. to know. Yeah, absolutely. It's Carpentry is beautiful. If I was to do something else, it would be that. But they, they share so many parallels. You got to figure out not only these different angles and stuff like that, when you go on to the next step, which is taping. If you put 20 butt joints in a room when you could have had four, you, you nobody wants be, to hold on to a 12 foot long sheet. Yeah. You got to be thinking ahead the whole time, plan it out, and, and execute. To but make that's the not, next step. Right. But that's not reality, right? Depends who's doing it. There's some amazing boarders out there. There's some guys that still really do awesome work, take pride in it, do it. But mostly they're not compensated well enough. You know, they just got to throw it up. And there's a labor shortage. There's a skill shortage, you know. And it's getting more and more. Is it uh, your specific trade? Is it is it gotten to the point where it's really a race to the bottom now? And to find the really good ones is hard? Yeah, no, it is very difficult to find good ones. But I think there's more and more demand going up. It's getting... There are, people are asking for more and becoming more aware of problems and asking more of people. Are they asking for more quality? Is yes. That the quality is going up. I, th I think so in some, in, in different ways. Like there used to be common to use this fiber tape, you know, just throw it on the wall. Now, I, I don't know if any union companies even allow it anymore. You've got to use paper tape, you know, so they're, they're up in the. So fiber came onto the market when you guys would know better than I would. I don't know how long ago that, that stuff's been around for a long time. It's been a lot, so. Like 25, maybe 30 years ago? It, yeah. it must be at least, yeah. But I mean, I, that, uh, so are you, you guys are all paper, you guys are fiber, you guys are a mix of both? It depends on, again, the job. On, what, on what that joint, <coughs> it depends on what that joint asks for. I don't want to get under your table. Here we go. Hang on a sec, don't worry. I'm just getting it off the scene here. It depends on, uh, on what that job asks for, you know? I was wondering how long that was going to take to happen one day. <laughs> that happened with me. That's a Royce thing. <laughs> no, no. So sorry. Well, it depends the on the job. You were saying the job, right? Yeah. Okay. So you got to, but all these young guys that are in the business, it's just run and gun, man. It's just go in and race to the bottom, yeah, price it out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden uh, get the job, do the job, and then get out as quickly as possible because that's the only way we're going to make money. Yeah. But yeah. you can't do that. Well, you hurt the industry. You hurt the industry and you hurt the other guys that are trying to run a proper business and do it right. Because it's pretty hard to compete, run a business, you know, with some guy that's running in and out and happy to make, you know, $30 an hour doing it. But you're getting a lot more clients and you guys can tell me this. It's like there is, and, and this is where I respect that drywall is kind of getting closer to being in the forefront where you start getting a lot of the contemporary builds and you start doing the reveals mm -hmm. and you start doing no baseboards and you're doing channels and then, you know, trim. And so now everything is precise. You guys are basically a finished trim person 
and a drywall and a plaster that all three of those have to be combined and well done. Right. So the money's there for that. If you set it. Yeah. And if you do each one of those things, well, you've got a career forever. This quick, get it done thing. They're not going to last very long. And there is a lot of guys that have built, you know, had people come in and do the contemporary homes that are pretty unhappy with the outcome. Because there's no forgiveness in those homes. No. So what I said, eighth of an inch makes a difference. And when sunlight. You, yeah. And when you're looking down a hallway with doors and you have that beat coming out, even an eighth of an inch and stuff in those homes, it shows up like, you know, it's got to be flush, like laser flush. Saddest thing I ever saw that was uh, I was invited to, I don't know, you guys are familiar with Wellington is on uh, Wellington and Portland area. Um, it's all being built up now. A lot of the homes there are all being torn down, like in true Toronto fashion, and they're throwing up condos there. I was invited to a showroom that belonged to a home integration company, and it was a uh, it was. There's only two units on each floor, so you literally walk into one unit that's like 2,500 square feet, and it's from the front to the back, and so you get all either western or you get all eastern views from this unit. And it's a long hallway to get into the actual place because all the other rooms are kind of off of that. But as soon as you walk in, I walk in and I'm there to look at a six-figure home integration system. I walk in and I look at the drywall, which is just one long, and all I see is this wave. And I've already had this image that this place sucks. Doesn't matter how amazing the technology i'm about to see or experience and motorized shades and this and uh, power consumption that and i can move this sound from here and this song from here i'm like seeing this wave of this drywall and it was a contemporary home no baseboard reveal channel uh returns on the windows no trim and it was just a wave and i'm like how could you be that bad and there's natural sunlight pouring in from either side yeah well you've had a lot of time in the industry so right away you pick up why you have this feeling but people that don't know to look for this wavy wall they just walk in and they get the feeling this place isn't very good it's a bit crappy but they don't even know why i used to say that a good job you might not um, know how to define it or recognize it per se but you feel it when it's done right it you know it feels right yeah, understand it I feels agree. right yeah. i agree but you know when you're looking at a long wall and you see all those humps you know you see what you're seeing is uh, butt joints, you know, where guys built it out to the middle to bury that tape, where it's the opposite of that. When I do a hump butt joint, I'm going three strokes wide with my trowel. I'm leveling it through the center, you know, and then <laughs> spreading it out this way, you know. Okay. They move it in, you know. you got to go up flat up the center, make sure that's As flat. tight as possible. Yeah, with just leaving as little skim as you can on your tape. But still, leave skim on your tape. You can't have bare tape coming. See that all the time, too. And then you spread it out from there. And that's how you can, you know. Sometimes you got to spread it. Even further. Far. Yeah. It depends on how that butt, butt joint was installed. Yes. And also the framing behind it and everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Do you want to guys, uh, I'm just curious about, so what arsenal of tools are you guys using these days? You guys are all Colombian? Colombian. Colombia. <laughs> yeah, you guys bringing in cocaine into the drop sites right now and just like, and I'm not saying everybody from Colombia is, uh, yeah. I brought a few things for us to, to talk about. Uh, you know, most tapers, this is their go-to yep. first tool. Everybody has it. It's a five-inch knife. Now, I just went into a fish and chips place the other day and they were using it to scrape out their grill. So 
one of the most diverse tools you can have. You know, homeowner, <laughs> you need a hammer, you need a screwdriver, <laughs> you need one of these. Uh, and this looks to be the same thing, but they're a different shape. They're both a five-inch knife. One is tapered and one is a bell. Now... We see the difference. Great. Uh, the tapered one, if you're going into an angle where there's a tape or something like that, this bell will cut into the other side of the work where the tapered one... Won't. Won't. Yeah. So if you're in a three-way corner or a tapered, there's only one company that still makes this tapered Richard. knife. Yeah. That's it. Everybody else is doing that bell. There's tons of companies that are coming onto the market right now, putting out knives. They're all bell. Six inch, so four inch. Why? I don't manufacture knives. Aren't, aren't they like paying attention to the industry and understand? I, th I think I've, I see more of the younger guys with these. And I think they prefer them because it helps them when they're coding out something because this is just, you know, if you're using this one, you have to know exactly how to tip it yes. right to yes. keep that angle clean or else you're leaving a build up on the other side, you know. So, but if you want to get both, you need this to work with, right? You guys are going to make a lot of friends, by the way. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man, everybody's very passionate in the drywall mudding world, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what you mentioned before, if we all just learn from each other and yes. drop a little bit of the ego, be humble. Yes. It is artistry it can be a very hard job but i think there might be some ego because you're filling other people's mistakes where the electrician has cut a hole that you have to patch or there's patches here and there and you're you're disguising the mistakes of the job and uh, the painter can be blamed for these blemishes in the walls but you know who's really behind it is the taper good taper makes a good painter mm-hmm it's kind of sad, but it's true. Like it's it's almost like you guys are blamed for stuff that you had no control over, absolutely none whatsoever, right? You you, you right. did what you were supposed to do, and you did it to the best of your ability, but you can't create magic at that point. Where it's something the butt joint's not right, the nails not, the screws not right, the framing's not right. It can't all fall. Out. And well, the you, same thing happens with tip painters, right? Yeah, you can only do so much, and and you're you're you do it um, the best to your pay scale that's the other thing that's the problem like, yeah you know who's going to pay you to, to do it right the half the people paying you don't even understand what they're looking at so but, but they understand when they're losing their shirt coming back doing touch-ups all the time that's what i've always said <laughs> yeah. i go if you price it out did one job and then you have to keep on coming back to fix certain things it's oh, one of the major oh, things for companies for companies is come is callbacks that uh, yeah you don't make money on callbacks yeah, that's what hurts a lot of guys yeah, so it, it, it starts out with, well, everything in construction is you build from the bottom up. Yeah. So if you're just starting taping and you, you have some board there, you have to look over it with a light and see if there's any little broken piece and cut it out. Bubbles in, it uh, could be a manufacturing defect, uh, handling, whatever. Get rid of all that frayed paper, everything. And if there's any joins or breaks tape it and uh, this is these are your two starting tools let's say your five yep. inch knife a your utility knife bladed utility knife it stays sharp 10 times longer it's you want when you're making a cut you don't want to leave little 
burrs and frays, because then when you start laying the mud, you get these little hanger-ons and drags through your mud, and it's, you want to be time efficient. Yes. When I walk in a house to tape it, the first thing I do is take my pole sander and sand off all the frays around all the light boxes, all that stuff. I don't know anybody else that really does that. Nobody does that. They just leave it alone. Yeah, I do it. And hope that the trim is going to cover it. Well, the fray stuff, I take it off because I don't pick it up on my trowel and create scratches when I coat it. You don't, it doesn't leave a buildup and a hump on you, you know, for around your plugs. Yeah. And it, it takes, it only takes me 15 minutes to go through a place and do it. And it's, I don't know how much time it saves me not having hitchhikers running through my mud when I go over a plug, you know. That's not thinking ahead because now if you're going around that plug with a, with a trowel, you're making two strokes instead of 10. So you call them hitchhikers? Yeah. <laughs> Klingons. <laughs> or Klingons, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Um, okay, so then, but I mean in the corner, isn't everybody using a corner uh, pole? Glad you asked about that. Yeah. Uh, these guys are a Canadian company, Can-Am, and this is for more like your do-it-yourselfer kit. But a pro could still use this. They make metal tools of the same way those are plastic these are plastic okay guaranteed uh, for life guaranteed for life like, how's that make sense got an easy attachment to put onto a broom handle here and you put on this and this is an angle wiper for your tape angle flusher so this is a very inexpensive thing can you just hold, hold that up so we can see it on the camera that yeah that's great so you guys use these or i have definitely used them okay especially because everybody's getting a Columbia home. one that's metal, and it's like it's... There's, there's Columbia ones. Can-Am does rollers and flushers and handles, and they're the best. Everybody uses them. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different companies making heads to fill angles and stuff like that. If you're just starting out, you have a little project in your own house, closet. This makes sense. Go ahead. And what we were talking about, the, the hanger honors and stuff like that, you have a metal head like this that's $100, $200. Yeah, easily. And you don't know if there's maybe a screw head or something like that, and you run your blade along there, broken. It's done. So it's toast. You should have one of these in your kit. As a Do you guys shed a little tear when the laborer comes along and takes a knife without asking and starts to scrape the floor with it? or? Or do, or do you just bury him? Friends. You just bury him, right? <laughs> he lives in the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him in days. I don't know where he's at. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, so if you have funny angles that this isn't working for and to sculpt something out by hand, maybe it's way too high skill level. You want to try to use something like this. This is no coat. Yep. Uh, I love that stuff. Oh, off angles, 45 degree angles. Love that stuff. It's got this beautiful blue line. When you're taping and you have this in, it just frames everything out. You're, if installed properly, you're guaranteed flat, straight lines all over the place. A little expensive for your average house to use this, but yeah, in custom homes and stuff. But if you're getting a lot of tray ceilings or vaulted ceilings and you want that true line, it's kind of, it makes sense, right? Always in display. Always in off angle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, always, right? Yeah. What else you got there, Steve? Tricks here. Um, ah, this one. I swear it was just a mud box. How much stuff did you have in there? <laughs> yeah, this is all-purpose mud. Uh, this one... Is just an example. You have 
artist tools like this. Yep. So we talked about contemporary homes a little bit, these reveals um, and awkward areas. If you're a taper, you probably have some tools that you might have to manufacture yourself. This is about three quarter of an inch. Yep. We'd cut this in half to go into those half inch reveals, yep. clean them out, uh, real awkward areas. And as we were talking about, drywalling, finishing is a bit of sculpture. So you need some finishing tools like this, paint brushes and yep. stuff. I've seen it before. Incredibly I've handy. The, I've seen the guys pull out tools that they made themselves. They created yep. themselves. Yep. And it's worth it. It's worth it for the job that you're doing and to, for the finish that you're going to get. I always have some plastic knives that I can just cut to what shape I need for certain issues, you know. Yeah, yeah you have knives that a few companies are starting to make them that are cut like this. Yes, I've seen that. Richard's got one of those. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's for your off-angle ceilings or just staircases, for yeah. example. Yeah. That's definite you need one of those. There's no way you're getting this into that fine-pointed area. So, Royce, when you got started, it was all, there was no boxes. Yeah, there was Ames. There was, so the Ames hat, and you could rent that. And, yes. and it was, so how many different boxes were you using? You're starting at what width? We used to use three. You used to have a 7-inch, 7-inch, um, a 10-inch, and 12-inch. 12 was the max right and then 12 you can get that finish that you you were always looking for because yeah. at that time it, it made more sense to rent instead of just to do hand well, trial you, you had no choice you had but to. even when you rent them even today how good a job you get out of this hang on <laughs> go on the mic go on the mic sorry yeah uh, how good a job you get with this box same thing 50 years ago as today is how well you take care of this tool this tool has to be cleaned right out and all these little nicks in your blade they have to be cleaned right out because that blade is meant to flex a bit. So you have to know how to set it so it just barely covers that bevel but covers it, you know. Yeah, you got to do it right. You still can hump the hell out of your flats without knowing how to do that right or still have it hollow. And that's so, the worst nightmare for a taper is the yeah, humping, right? I don't see a lot of people knowing how to maintain their tools that well. They don't. Yeah. you got to clean everything check its mechanical function see but that's the other argument that i've heard is that a lot of guys will not throw in the hardener or use a fast mix mud because it they have to work and they have to clean that quicker sooner mm. more and then they don't want to do that they 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 can just soak that in water if it's regular pre-mixed right yeah running hardeners through your pumps and boxes that can be a pain the hardeners mostly are, you know, you need it for your bead for sure. Yeah. You know, you should have it in coating your beads to, it helps bond them in there, keeps them from shrinking, helps with the cracking, you know. Are you guys a fan of the fiber, fiber, fiber use or what I is think it? I it, think it has its place for sure. You, okay. You have fiber tape. Uh, it's, it can still occasionally be used. Paper tape, fantastic, but fiber fuse. What's this? What do you mean this? You can get it this wide. Oh, I know. I have a roll of it. I know. Yes. I love it. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just, that's not asbestos, is it? No, it's fiberglass. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of feels like it kind of, I was impressed. I, uh, I had a small job and we had a concrete block wall from an exposed basement mm -hmm. and uh, we wanted to keep things very tight so we didn't want to fur it out. So then we had to mud it and so he was using the three foot wide mm -hmm. uh, roll and then he was doing it different layers over and over and it, it turned out like it was old school plaster. Yeah, it's, It was beautiful. It's the most amazing thing for fixing plaster cracks. You get a 
you get a bunch of spider cracks everywhere. Instead of gouging all those cracks and then having to do one crack at a time, you just put this whole thing over the whole thing. Yeah, put all your mud on first, then put that on, and make sure you wipe it right through. It's a great product. Man. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. It's, I, mean, it's I, use, I like the, the tape, too. I use the tape. Sorry? It's thinner than the rest, too. So when you're taping, you're, you're trying to bury that tape. Yes. Uh, if the tape's not there, you're going to have a crack for sure. Behind the, That's a band-aid, essentially, is what yeah. the tape is. There'll always be a crack behind that. That uh, Fibafuse, it's, what would you say, half the, the thickness yeah, of a tape? It's nice for patches because it lays so much tighter to your wall. Like Do you guys like those patches that they sell at the big box stores for the homeowners, the DIYers? I, w- I can't imagine a professional using them. Oh, it it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It would, it would, I don't even know why, I don't understand why. I, I get it. I get it. The skill to, to do certain things, you know, if somebody doesn't know how to do something as a trade. My logic is hire a trade. Yeah. That's my stupid, ignorant logic. Hire a trade to fix it. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, we eliminate the... A little bit of OBC talk, and then I want to get into talking about a lot about the three-way, guys. Um, OBC uh, drywall screws. Screws must be at least what length? What's the minimum? From the edge, sorry, from the edge of the board. Well, it's going to depend on the, on the width of the board you're using, whether it's five True. inches, half inch. True. I think this is going off of a half inch. So what's yeah. the minimum distance away from the edge of the board a screw should be put? Minimum. Hmm. Or sorry, at least. You mean the length of the screw you should No, use? no, the distance from the edge of the board. Where should that screw be pla- placed? Hmm. Well, you're going to screw off your... When you're screwing off a board, you should screw it off enough that the tape covers in the joint, you know, covers that. It drives me crazy borders are screwing off two inches above the bevel and stuff. You know? <laughs> Just put it in there where the tape covers real nice. Then, depending whether it's top or bottom, three in the top, three in the bottom, you know, every... St- Every 16 feet where you have your studs, I mean, every 16 inches. You have your Royce, you should be rewriting the OBC, man. It's <laughs> Three-eighths is what they're saying. Three-eighths from the edge of any board is the, the me- like, at least where, is where the screws should be put. Okay. That's it, right? Second point is screw heads must not puncture the paper. Mm-hmm. But in today's day, the paper is thinner. Well, they, they often puncture. You can do it without it, without puncturing it for sure. But they, they There should be no excuse for puncturing that paper. If you do puncture it, you should take it out and, and move it up and... Put another one in. And so then you're filling in that damaged, punctured yeah. hole. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, then the taper fills the hole. And, you know, the tapers, when they fill that hole, often they just go over it. Yeah. To, so that hole never to show up even then. You need to pull the broken fluff out around it, stick the mud in, press it in, and then coat it again. And coat it, and then it won't show up. But if you just go right over it, it'll still show up. Does Richard still have a 5-inch taping knife with a Phillips screw head on the back end, on the butt end? There's a few companies that do. Okay. Yeah. I'm just wondering. I thought that they still did that. Uh, for single layer ceiling applications, the screws must not be more than 300 mil or 11 and three quarters from each other on ceiling supports. Sounds right. Sounds right. Screws are not required where all wall sheets supporting ceiling sheets. Screws are not required where wall sheets support ceiling sheets. What does that mean? 
Don't know. You should screw off all your board, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much. Yeah. For single layer wall applications, if wall supports are more than 406 mil, which is 16 inches from each other, screws cannot be spaced more than 300 mil, which is 11 and three quarters from each other, which is basically what we just said there. If wall supports are less than 406 mil, 16 inch from each other, screws cannot be more than 50 and three quarters from each other. So I guess if you're going 16 on center versus 12 on center, you cannot go greater than that 16 on center or 15 and three quarter, which is the center of 16. That's where it goes. All right. So at the start of the show, it totally hit me that three-way meant the corner, inside corner of three surfaces. Mm -hmm. that's you got it. As, as much, that's my skill level on drywall and plastering. So let's talk about three-way. Yeah, sounds great. Let's talk about it. All right, I love all the show and tell. I love <laughs> it. I totally. Everyone's to start watching the show instead of listening to the show because most yes, people listen. Yes, what kind of got this started? What kind of got it started was I had a nephew that was on the job. He just seemed incapable of doing anything. I wanted him. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to be able to to do something. So. <coughs> so I thought about if he could start putting in three ways, it would help speed the whole process up. So we started figuring out. I started, you know, folding on the on the kitchen table paper, trying to figure out how I could create something that would create that angle. So this wasn't exactly the first product, but this is how it's ended up. And this here three-way, it's got the two layers of paper. This helps you with your corner, if you have broken out board and stuff, yeah. you don't have to worry about pre-filling it. This will support it, like no coat. This is a very special kind of paper, like your tape. So the water doesn't, you know, yeah. cause it to ripple and stuff. It's perforated. This was an important part, we found, to cut these edges so it would fit in. The reason for the flap is because no three ways perfectly square and it adjusts. Flexibility. Takes me 45 seconds to install one of these. Put this in, press it in, wipe it in, it's done. You guys have patented this, right? Like yes. yes. Okay, all right, because I'm just like, this is a good idea. <laughs> it, it seems, uh, this is like a really good idea. Thanks, Manny. No, that's a really good idea, uh, man. It seems a bit weird for a piece of paper to be patentable, but there, it is uh, an educate. okay, look. You're a project manager. You know so many things about building. You're you're an absolute genius, and you speak a whole different language. You talking about me? Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll take it. Sure. <laughs> and to get a patent, we're we're construction workers. It it's tough. To it's a different wheelhouse. It, I know. Completely different thing. Learn so much about that, and it seems like a weird thing to have a patent on on a piece of paper. But it's it's how. It folds together, how it bevels down, the type of paper used. It took a really long time for us to be able to figure out how is this going to be used for a professional or somebody that's never even taped before. A lot of the beauty of this to me is you think about it is the journeyman that has to do it your three-way. Apprentice can't do it a three-way. That's where they succeed and fail. Yeah, the journeyman. Yeah. It's a great. No, no, it's 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 the, it's the ultimate test. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a, great a quick way. test. It's, it's the hardest part of a house is your three. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just saying that that's a good fucking product, man. That's that's a smart product. As far as going into a place and seeing how good a drywall finish is, you can go right into that three way corner and see did they care about the job. 
Are those angles nice and sharp? Uh, is it sculpted, built out? Did they light check? You can tell all of that about the quality of your finisher. That's yes. When you run a stopwatch too, and and how long everything takes. This is twenty five percent of your labor inside of a house as for a taper. How many corners are there in a typical house? Around fifty. I knew you guys would have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you take the journeyman, do if you like, you can set your apprentice. For That's you a now. week's worth of work. It takes you, yeah. It, well, it takes some time. You, you know, between smoking, peeing, yeah. social media, yeah. and three-way. Sorry. <laughs> an, apprentice, an apprentice costs you money for six months usually. It takes him three months just to learn how to properly spot a screw, if he's taught properly. So you can take him within a few weeks of getting some knife control and have him starting to put in your three-ways. You save time throwing your tape because you don't have to go right into the corner and butt it all in properly, which is what takes the time. Yeah. So now you throw your tape faster, you roll it faster, flush. Everything's faster. You throw this three-way and get your apprentice to run around throwing in the three-way. He skims this edge. How long have you guys been working on this? Well, Royce said he came up with it with his apprentice many years ago. Right? How, how about how long ago? I don't know. Five, six, seven, ten years ago. All right. So we <laughs> met flies. up. We met up. I, I was doing administration for a building company and realized that it was a bit unsatisfying. I wanted to get my hands dirty, build stuff. I've always built stuff. I was a concrete finisher when I was uh, 15 and bridge building. Love building stuff. And trying to sculpt out a three-way corner with the tapes overlapping, wrinkling up, and cutting into your other work and stuff, it is so frustrating, so time-consuming, so hard to learn. And when Roy showed me this, he said, try this out, and right away you could get a perfect corner. I'm like, this is amazing. We need to bring this to people that are already doing it and struggling with it, or people that have never even done it before that want to have a great finished product. It was Steve that decided we need to get this to market. So is it market now? It, so from the beginning to, to get a patent and how do, how do you bring an idea to the market? I had to learn all this. So we're, we're builders, so we don't know. Yeah. Um, and we really appreciate coming here to, to oh. try to share it with people because yeah, uh, I didn't even know that you guys were going to do this. I had no idea you guys were going to do this, but I, I, I would still say, yeah, for sure, I would have talked about this no problem at all because I agree with you. That just helps the industry. Mm -hmm. We have we have partners. And Steve's Steve's a, he knows um, he's a computer guy, a marketing guy. He knows he's a business guy. He knows all that, and we have some other partners in the well that have you can see. It's just like the software program we developed. It's an amazing software program for tracking work. The only thing we were short, a few million dollars to market it. You know? <laughs> but other than that, it's Nothing awesome. a balaclava and a fake pistol can solve. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> so with this, you know, it, it, um, we, have con we, ha we have connections within the drywall industry who have connections, you know, with, so with the So are they embracing it? Are they, like, are, are, is it on the shelf? Can you get it on Because people are going to ask. It's, it's just coming out to market. Like, that's, that's why we built the threeway.ca website. Yeah. So people could just, just buy it directly from you guys. See how to put it in, buy directly from us. What does it retail for? 
Uh, this is our, our newest line. It's the five pack and it's approximately $20. For a five pack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And CSR carries it. Yeah. With, uh, Amazon. It's sold in a few stores and we're just getting it out there to market. How was CSR? Were they really, they were same as I am right now? Where like you guys have basically just reinvented the wheel? There's nothing else like it on the market. You know, we brought a few things it. here like this to automate your yeah. joints on yeah. flats and ceilings and stuff like that. And you have tools for angles, but there's no specialty tool Nothing. for that hardest high-level skill area, most common, the three-way quarter. So there is no other product like it, no tool that specially does that area. So it's, it's uh, original. Have you guys used social media to get it out there or slowly doing that? Th learning how to do it, but, you know, I don't want to spend all my time on a phone. Because you're still, you're still working. We have Instagram. We're on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. We're on YouTube. Yeah. 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 What were you going to say, Royce? You were going to say something. I've been working a lot on YouTube just to, to teach people parts that are missing in, in quality of drywall finishing. Uh, Royce is sharing a lot of his knowledge on there to put on stilts properly so you're not going to hurt yourself you sprain your ankle and stuff like that uh more efficient ways to do things sharpening your tools cleaning your tools all, all just just educational stuff and and we're trying to yeah save people time get a better finished product i don't think that the professionals are going to be the biggest market it's the painter who who fixes things up it's the guy trying to do it himself it's the carpenter who does some drywall repairs. Most of the professionals, um, they are a much harder sell, honestly, because they're... They're set in their ways. Yeah, and they're like, I can do I that. I hate that. I, I don't can, like that. I can do that faster than any of that, you know, all that stuff, right? No, but, that's rubbish, man. Like, I'm looking at that right now, and to actually run a bead on three different angles mm -hmm. to a point takes longer than to put that oh, in. Oh, yeah. And I haven't even installed one of those. Yeah. I'm just looking at the principles behind that, and that's faster. Yeah, to get something better. To get some, yes, and better. To get something this sharp would take three or four coats, yeah. you know. Yeah. Because you have a bevel on each side. Yeah. You got to deal with all that. No, and then here you're just skimming this edge twice, and sand and and you're sanding it. So you're not going in there like there's every stage you're saving time. Like I say, it takes me forty five seconds to install. To that. do one. Yeah. And you're doing two passes or three passes? <coughs> two. Two passes. Yeah. When I throw it in, I load the edge. And then when you pull your angles again, you load it again. But it's not like when you're coming to do a, a three-way made out of tape where you're standing there. I've seen, I've seen grown men stand there with tears in their eyes so frustrated trying to do three-ways. So. Should shoot those videos and post them on social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd pay to watch them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you don't have to mud all the way inside. No, there. I know, man. I've yeah. been there. I've Just done that. Do this part, the sanding, the light check. You're saving. So what's on, on every here? Throw party. me one. I want to see one. <laughs> well, we brought these for you, man. So and I'm not doing any plastering right now. Do a, a bathroom like so what's the like? There's the. Is there a different type of material on the edging? Yeah. So. The oh, I got it now. Okay. Now I, now I totally see it. The back of it is oh, man, reinforced, so smart, man. Just like Noco, which we love. That's it's so smart. Product. The finish on this is just like drywall paper. So you just want to bury the edge a little bit. It's paint ready, that inside. You know you guys are going to have to hang the knife now, eh? 
No way. Never. This is going to sell, man. This is going to sell. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you're I'm using no coat though. It, it, you, you don't run your tapes all the way into the corner. This can sit on top of the tapes, just like that. Yeah. And if you're using a no coat, it's you would usually put these into a corner like this. Anyway, you're cutting that that way. Anyway, yeah. You're cutting it like this, and then you might need a tape here where this joint is. This. You're gonna use it with a no coat. It fits it, perfectly flush together like that. So, so Royce, it only took forty-five years, eh? <laughs> <laughs> this is a brilliant. Honestly, it's brilliant, man. It was inspired by a useless nephew. Thank goodness for the generation. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, this, I I wish all the best. Honestly, I and mean, I'll, I'll let everyone's gonna hear this, and I'll, I'll let's see what they say. Uh, but I, so have you spoken to other drywall guys? I guess any other drywall mutters? The, the outfit I, I work with now, um, uh, Mr. Skimcoat, we, all I basically do is popcorn sealant removal now. Yeah. I have less trouble. I don't run my own company anymore. I just work with that. And I use these inside of those homes. Another, you know, another thing about these, um, it isn't, which is kind of a side side thing about it. But every time you use these, uh, whether it's a homeowner or a contractor, they're like, oh my God, that's awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. That looks so good. Like it's, uh, everybody reacts to it when they see it in, because they've never seen it before. <laughs> Everybody's impressed when they see those in their corners. So it's good for your rep. So Royce, are you good at origami or anything like that? <laughs> like, is that where it all came? Like, were you, like, I'm just curious about, did you just grab a piece of paper and started messing around with it or something? Yeah, yeah. I worked with it a bit because before I was just trying so hard to figure out how do I get this like to overlap, you know, like to like because without this piece here, then you just have your own your yes. own crack. Right? Yes. So, yeah. So it took a bit. It took a bit. We, fi I f we figured out in the afternoon of what I was going to do. And then I used to buy paper and sit down with a cutting machine and cut them all out myself. While I'm watching TV and then I certainly hope the industry embraces this because I think the industry does need this because then it actually starts to add to what we just started talking about on this whole show. It's just going to give them the pride back into the passion and the industry and, and be proud of the corners now. Well, it's your level five corner now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so that's exactly <laughs> what it is. You've created a level five. So like, listen, you start at level five in the corner, make the whole job level five. Yeah. This is brilliant, man. Honestly, guys, this is great. Well, a bit of a skilled labor shortage and people coming into the trades. And as Roy said, some people get crying in the corner how hard it is to to do. Cause I folded it right away. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget that to put mud on this edge. Yeah, I know. I know. We don't have any mud here. You guys didn't bring it in there, okay? And we're not going to mix mud in here. But, I mean, it makes, a, it makes so much sense, man. Yeah, we got – there's some tapers that love it. And they're loyal to it buying it but know. then you got some tapers that just uh, i don't want to do it most guys first round is i'm good enough i'm good enough i'm fast enough you know it's hard it's hard for them to see it's okay though we talked about contractors whatever their margin may be let's say it's 10 20 30 percent as soon as you start getting a call back because you have a crack in the corner or it's not sculpted well enough you're not getting that with this have you guys Keep tested the hell out of it Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm assuming that it's been put into old homes, new homes, brand new wet green homes. To develop it to where it is now, it's 
we've tested probably, not exaggerating, 2,000 different compositions of paper uh, that don't wrinkle up under moisture, for yeah, example. Yeah, moisture, yeah. Uh, tearing. That was hard to figure out because the paper that they use in tape, they have that market locked down. You can't even get that paper. It's like counterfeiting money, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Try to get a hold of the money. No, you can't. I know a guy, though. <coughs> Don't worry. Awesome. We, <laughs> had to, we had to figure that out and, and, and come up with our own paper. Um, Composition that yeah, has the different uh, tensile strength, moisture absorption. And it doesn't crack. No. On all the testing that you guys have done, yeah. it doesn't so crack. No. When you have three tapes overlapped into a corner. It's impossible to crack. Maybe one's a bit short, uh, traditional way I'm talking about. Uh, you know, there's not enough mud behind this or that. This is all one piece, not three pieces. As you know, from, from framing and sheathing, as soon as you're not all on the same plane, yeah. Yeah. that's where you're going to have movement, cracks and stuff like that. This is one piece. It's rigid. This isn't, you're not going to have a crack here. No, it's, it's impossible. How could you? Yeah. I'm impressed. I wish you guys the best, honestly, man. I, I really want the drywall industry to get off the mountain and start using this shit, right? Well, it, look, we, we in construction are very busy. We could be 12-hour days, 4-hour commutes, 18-hour days, um, and it's hard on your body. So we were trying to figure out, everybody wants to do a side hustle. We don't want to be Instagram influencers and, and take an easy way out about anything. It takes a lot of time and learning to try to bring a product to market. And, and then what do you do? You know, then you need people to know about it. And yeah. it's, it's a whole other realm and job. And we're really starting to figure a few things out. Is America embracing it? We're just entering that market. We've, we've had sales all over the world. All over the world. Because of the website, of course. And yeah, it's picking up more and more and more. Yeah, they're, they're going, we're going through a few thousand of these a month. So, you know, the, it started. And you guys are manufacturing it here? We're doing some here, some offshore. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's cool, man. All right, so to get it, I guess you guys just go to threeway.ca. Or CSR. Or CSR to pick it up. That's but one location. But I mean, anybody in this industry, of, they know CSR. Sorry? Yeah, there's a lot of locations people can get it from. Of course, we'd, we'd want them to come to our site, be informed how to put it in. Uh, there is a bit of a learning curve. It's, it's uh, just like riding a bike. Come on. <laughs> it seems easier. Well. <clears throat> when you put it in, I've been doing, I've been, I get, I'm getting better and better. But so I, how I, do you recommend, Royce? I, every time I go to a job, I get better. Use a six-inch knife so you have your full width already there. Five Got inch it. is what we usually carry. Just grab a six-inch for this. And make your base nice. You know, make it. Kick it. You're starting. Don't leave a big blob in there. Then you got to okay. just press it out. Got what it. kind of mud consistency? You want it, you know, no, no thicker than what you can control it. Okay. You want to be able just to control it like taping mud, right? Got you it. want it fairly thin. You throw it in there, press this in, make sure your mud's on here. Make sure you give this a rub down. You know, you just with the back of your knife, I quickly rub this. I rub this edge here, not on the paper itself, right on this edge, right? So that when I wipe this down, I wipe this down here. It's all tight to the drywall, yeah. right tight. So yeah. 
And then you've got, then you have this down below this edge so that you can just skim it with your knife. And it's good. And that's it. It's done. Yeah. It creates its own bevel, you know. So, so where's the learning curve? Uh, like, that's pretty straightforward yeah. to me. It yeah. is. Yeah. But it's you do get better at and it. And I'm not a taper. Do it. That's pretty straightforward to me, yeah. man. Well, it's not, you know, sometimes you go like this and you go to pull it and you go, oh, and you pull it down a bit or something. So you learn not to just go right out. Go on the angle, you know, when you wipe it. Just no big deal. You figure it out in a couple Far of Far less learning ways. curve than traditional taping, that's so, for sure. Yeah. And you guys have this patent, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, we have a, a utility patent on it, 20 years. and Worldwide, actually. Yeah. You know there's another application for this, right? I'll tell you guys later on. I'll have to make my thoughts about it. Sure. But there is definitely another application for this. All right. Well, the best tools are more functional than for just one job. So ideally, we'd love to hear if there's other, other ways to use it. But about, you know, about taping, mud consistency, if you just use this pre-mixed stuff right out of the box and you're trying to tape with it, it's, it's too thick. It's not going to work. That's where a lot of people end up with bubble tape. You got to, for taping... Then it really, really diluted to where it's almost just dripping off the knife. That's how you're going to sink your tapes more into the wall, and it's going to have better adhesion. It's not going to swell out. And that's, a, that's a big thing. So what's the trick both of you guys can share to not let all that thinner mud fall off the hawk? I'm assuming both of you guys are hawks or else. Use a pen. Use a pan? Just throw those in and use a pan. And no, no, not this. Just in, in muddy and in general. It depends how you're doing it. Okay. Again, right? Um, everybody's got their Everybody's own different, and every situation yeah. is different. I, when I'm taping, I, I, I used a bazooka for years and years. Okay. And I could have X amount of guys following me, you know, five guys following me, tape 30,000 feet in a day, that kind of stuff. I found, uh, much to my surprise, that I could actually tape faster with a super taper pulling it out of the thing into a box. And I've seen it. It doesn't look near as prestigious, but at the same time, I still do it quite a bit different than I usually see it done. When I mix up my mud to do that, I mix it not much thicker than literally pea soup. And when I pull that tape out, I've got an eighth of an inch of mud on that tape, if that, and it's got to be wet, you know, like really thin. And then I use a five-inch plastic knife to wipe it so the one knife will, you know, curve with whatever's going on in the wall. Then it's light, it's quick, it's, I can wipe out a whole floor without filling up a pan of mud. Yeah. You know, and you can throw it on much faster. I can throw that thing on my stilts, walk down that wall, boom, boom, boom. I can do it faster than I could with a bazooka. Um, using a bazooka in the angles versus throwing mud it's debatable which one's quicker that way. It's the kind of trade person you are. You have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that system will work for anybody that is willing to do it. Most tapers are afraid to put it that thin. They're like, how could that be, you know? You're not going to use a pea soup thin to throw that in. You no. want it a little thicker so you can control it, the mud on your knife. But you're but also going to be set when you show up on the job site, I'm doing all the corners. Mm -hmm. So you get them all done. Yeah. Right. Then you run your feeds, your mains, and all this other stuff, or vice versa. Right. Mm. It's a, it's a bit easier, tool wise, if you're using you know rollers and flushers to put your tapes short in the corner and then that and then add these guys. Install that afterwards. Yeah. But it's it's totally feasible to start the job with a, a newbie to yeah. go put these all in there first. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. And then run your tape up to there. Yes. A little bit of precision, not like 
the complexity of the three overlapped, but absolutely the hardest part out of the way first. Royce did that for or a even, while. Or even mm -hmm. vice versa. You could put the beads on first and then put the corners in afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. And work it from there. You but can the do whole point is way. that you get into your groove. You have your mud that you use for your beads, and then you have your mud that you use for your three-way, mm -hmm. which is brilliant, man. Everybody has a different process about how they get to the finish line. And uh, s there are tapers with some resistance because of the ego. It took them a long time to learn that skill. It's old dog. So they don't want that it's taken away. Dog, I totally respect that. But I don't. Respect your time. <laughs> I don't. Respect your time. Exactly. If, you, if they actually figured out and calculated how much it would cost for uh, someone to do it the way that's being done today, mm -hmm. factored into this, compare it. Well, you think of just having your apprentice be able to do yeah. this, and the journeyman is now compounding his time, being able to go right to his bead and so, so on. Then you're saving. You you're do your math money. on that, and you're, you're saving even money. more. Yeah, it's well, not just saving money on you in there. Now you're you're saving money because you get to go directly to your bead and other things, while you start making money on an apprentice who you couldn't even make money on before. It's the little time that that people forget about. To overlap those tapes might take an extra minute. Okay, and then your next one where you're wiping it all out and carving it. This might take uh, five minutes where you're not doing that with this. And then you're light checking and every step you're saving a few minutes, a few minutes. So what are you saving per corner by using this? 10, 15 minutes? And the consistency and the no callbacks. So have ego. It's good. Be proud of your skill. But Evolve. add it up. Time is money evolve man mm -hmm. yeah i've always tried every new tool that ever came out i've always been like that i see something new i want to try it I, I never get stuck in my way and i swear every time i go to a job site and work i learn something your wheels are spinning yeah and i, I learned more about my trowel i learned like just how i hold it or how i move it or yeah it's just you know you don't stop learning i don't think there's any end to actually learning what you what you do you're not using so. richard trials are you what are those Richard, A. Richard, or whatever. I don't. No, are you guys, what are you guys using? I don't know if they uh, make trials. Oh, Richard. Yeah, no. Yeah, Richard. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've spoken to the Quebec guys, so then they are Richard. Oh, Richard. we're often. It's not Richard, it's Richard. Um, it, you know, there's so many companies making them. Uh, but I, you guys have a preference? Right now, I like Nella. Okay. Um, I like a flexible trial. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't really matter that much uh well, it depends on which mutter you're talking to because yeah. they're kind of everybody has their tendencies uh, yeah. to what their favorite is yeah like, i'm a milwaukee guy but i have several types difference? of trials depending on what kind of job i'm doing yeah i got a trial this long that's uh, that's a um a slicker from germany that is a spring steel blade the whole thing and it's it's this long with the wood handle this long so if i have a really bad hump joint i can just load it one side and use the slicker this side and this side and really spread it. So it all depends what I'm doing. I'm not seeing any of the young guys do this shit. No. Why aren't I seeing any of the young guys do this shit? I, it's just exposure, I guess. And Customer but it's knowledge. done in Europe. In Europe, it's done all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't have a, you know, we don't have an apprenticeship program here. Over there, it's religious. Yeah. 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 But here, they don't, they don't really have that uh, apprenticeship program you as long as you can throw some tape and get her done. And, you know. So, you know, Steve, you were saying you're a Milwaukee guy? You're mixing with Milwaukee, too? Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what a Milwaukee mixer looks like. 
Well, he's actually using a DeWalt battery mixer. Mixer. Um, works great. It feels like it has more power than the plug-in one. Makita I've used forever to mix up the mud. Um, you know, just a few years ago, we use a lot of hardeners. So just a few years ago, we found like an egg beater onto a drill to mix pans of mud. As if you're doing hardeners and all your beads and all your pre-filling and stuff like that, what do you you're mean, mixing it by egg, hand. Egg beater, an actual? Yeah, I took it from my wife's drawer and yeah. stuck it on my drill. <laughs> <laughs> and it works? It works really oh, well. Oh, awesome. Yeah, all that manual mixing because you're in a pan. It, yeah. I use it for like patches a lot, you know. I remember my first year in, in social media and construction, I did a bunch of images that just got spoken about because I took a drill and I put egg mixers on the drill yeah. and right next to a cake. And then I took a trowel with notches on it against another cake and I was icing the cake with the trowel. <laughs> I was doing a reciprocating saw cutting a turkey for Thanksgiving. Okay. Image. Okay. I did a bunch cool. of them. I was just like, why can't we have fun in construction and try new ideas and different stuff like that? So yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised that Royce, that you stole your wife's, and then using it for a tool, and it works really well. Oh, and the hair dryer too. What's the hair dryer? Yeah, well, say your place is beautiful, you don't need it, but we need to come in here and fix some little hole. Well, the taping process, you got to wait for the mud to dry. Yeah. So you use a hardener. Maybe it's going to dry in five, 20 minutes. Well, you accelerate with the wife's hair dryer. I use a DeWalt heat gun, which is always Same. too hot, and it doesn't... Yeah, it's a hair dryer. DeWalt heat gun is a bit expensive, too. Uh, when it's given to you, it's not expensive. <laughs> ah, a, good, a, good hair, a really good hair dryer is the best. But you use your hardeners. They, you know, it's hardened up. I yeah, but I don't want to see a Dyson hair dryer get on the job site and some guy showing off at that yeah. point, right? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's not a cheap hair dryer. <laughs> I, use, I use five a lot. That's my favorite hardener. Five it's a five. lot. Five, just five. Oh, just five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Five, yeah. yeah, really, huh? For patches, yeah. But you got a boogie at that point, man. You mix her up. Boom. Yeah, that's I can't I like check soil, soil, social. I can't smoke and I can't go have a bathroom break if I'm using five. Nope. That's today's generation. Yeah, stay on there. <laughs> Get her it's brought in from Europe a bit. Using plaster. It's <laughs> an efficiency of strokes. So as soon as you start fiddling around too much, you've lost. You know something I haven't, I don't, I've never seen anybody else do, but What's I learned. Because 50 years ago, there were still plasterers yeah. teaching us how to tape, yeah. teaching us how to use trowels and stuff, right? Those guys are all gone. And one of the things they sh showed was, and it was common then, was to keep your trowel sharp. Most guys think they want a knife-sharp trowel. You know, they want it nice and knife-sharp. Knife-sharp trowels smear the mud. <clears throat> I use a grinder to, to keep my trowel level or a file or the fez tool, you know, <laughs> and you keep that keep that blade like a skate sharp, you know, yeah. this type of a sharp yeah. flat. And when you use that and you cut your uh, it cuts your mud rather than smear it. And it also gets rid of your air, cuts your air out. So you know, keep your trial sharp is part of keeping the air out of your mud. How does it keep the air out? Because you're you're kinda Because it literally is cutting it, right? Okay. Just think about that very edge catching that mud. It cuts it and it lays that right over that bubble, like takes it right out. Whereas if it's a fine edge like a knife, it's smearing it, and it just presses. And it, it. works, right? Yeah, you use a if you cut it, it'll cut the air out of your most of the air out of your mud if you. And it, it, I just sharpened uh, a new guy who's been working with us uh, yesterday. I I sharpened his trowel and said, "Here, try this." He sharpened it. He goes, "Oh yeah, what a difference! Oh yeah, I said, yeah, just like when you first bought it, right? You know, yeah, yeah. So keep it sharp." But nobody knows these little tricks, man. Yeah, they don't seem to know. 
or they don't seem to care to know or we're trying to share you know i think if they if they did if they took their trial and sharpened it and they want to use it they go oh man yeah they'd remember to keep it sharp they'd all have a file in their box you know i think with all trades there's there's little secrets that get passed along and we don't want to let these secrets no, go you away. No, you got to pass it on to other people, on. and then they can figure out new ways of doing them. Too. Yeah, that's one thing that's changed. Back in the day, it was keep your secrets, right? Now it's that's how you made a living. Yeah, now it's give your secrets away. Like yeah, show everything you can. You know, so because it still falls on skills. Yeah, because yeah, even showing how to do it, the guy still has to do it. He still yeah, has to know how to apply it. Figure it out. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys, I bet you, will have a hard time trying to figure this one out <laughs> at first. Well, that's that's why we had to boldly. I saw, that. I saw that. Uh, so you're going to put it in different languages? <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of people trying to put it in the wrong way. Yeah, we are going to have to put Spanish. I'm just French. saying. Well, I'm saying I was going to think. I was thinking more Croatian and Polish and like Eastern Europeans, right? That's uh, so what I was thinking. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think you need to, but it's, I think just like this side. There's a lot of Spanish-speaking blasters. Yeah, that's true. Sure, that's true, right? So what's that translate to? This side to drywall. I don't know. <laughs> Got a Google Translator for that. Google Translator. All right, one more segment, and then we'll, we'll get close to wrap it up. Everybody, check it out, threeway.ca, threewaytheworld at gmail.com, YouTube channel, and you guys got a video showing how to actually do this, right? Mm-hmm. Is it Royce doing it? There's, we've got some Several of Royce guys. doing Several it. Guys. Okay, cool. yeah, so the, yeah, the YouTube channel, look it up. It's three-way drywall corner finishing. And on Instagram, it's uh, three-way the world. Three, the number, not the word three. Uh, Green Book Talk. And this has always been fascinating because I know that when I did a show with uh, Teddy out in Kitchener, uh, he gave me a great visual uh, on kids that don't wear masks when they're sanding mm-hmm. and how he picked up some of the sand dust and poured some water in his palm. And he just said, that's what you're breathing. Your lungs are, that's what's reacting right now in your lungs, right? So it's really, really dangerous. Sanding, uh, mixing uh, of powder plaster and cutting of plaster board can create dust, which can become airborne and thus be, can be breathed in. We all know that. Inhaling of dust can cause irritation to respiratory system, which over long periods of time can lead to occupa- occupation, oh, occupational asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary. Like we all know these things, right? Are the kids getting better? Or they're getting stupid still. I think most guys, most young guys, are wearing masks. I think the, the guys who are less likely are my age, are the older guys. Yeah, and I agree <laughs> with you. So we all know that some plaster mixes contain silica. Old buildings may contain asbestos, both of which is if, in, if inhaled can cause extreme serious health conditions later on in life. Uh, more than 500 construction workers in the UK die from inhaling silica dust and asbestos. Uh, it's linked roughly to 5,000 deaths per year in the UK. So working outdoors and using hand tools to can reduce the risk. However, it does not remove the risk where possible a capture hood placed uh, close to the dust source and connected to the exterior fan and filter. Yeah. So, I mean, I know there was that company that had the, the, the negative pressure sucking thing, Mm. but they went under this year, uh, build, build, build X or something. I can't remember that red thing. And so it had the filter and they went under. So they basically stopped production. They went. A lot of guys are starting to sand with the fez tool, so which is very helpful. HEPA and it cleans it, right? Does a lot. There's still particles. There's still particles in the air. It's a funny thing about that that you you feel young usually in construction and you're invincible. Well, a little bit of dust isn't going to hurt you, but it's it's compounds. A little bit of dust today, Mm -hmm. a little bit of dust tomorrow 
it does hurt you, right? So mm-hmm. it's just, it, yeah, and we talk about the vacuums, right? So it's, it's, I want all these kids to understand that you're not supermen. Not everybody's supermen. <clears throat> well, I'm an example of that. Yeah. Because I have COPD. <laughs> Directly related to the industry for the last 50 years. Who knows for sure, but uh, yeah, I, I quit smoking 20 years ago. Smoking causes it. Sucking drywall dust your whole life causes it. But some of the new medications are pretty awesome too because at one point when I discovered I had it, I was down, scary down in my lung capacity. And now with the new medications, you know, I take a shot every morning, I'm up to 98%. Wow. Crazy, eh? So what exactly is it doing? It's just clearing the airway? I don't know what it's doing other than keeping you breathing well. Mm. And I talked to, you know, talked to the doctor. I went to COP class, everything. And they said, as long as you're using that medication properly, you will not die from COPD. It doesn't have to get worse. But you got to treat it properly. But it used to be a death sentence. Yes, it did. It was a scary death sentence. Yeah. And a very painful one towards the end. Yeah. And it's probably a, yeah, it's still a death sentence for people that can't get the medication. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I think what they just think that concrete and there's a lot of exposure on concrete and silica dust and grinding mm-hmm. and those trades, but they don't realize that this is just as dangerous, if not more dangerous. Back in the day, we used to spray lacquers without masks. Oh. You know, yeah. And smoke. <laughs> yeah, smoking, yeah. Burn, burning exhaust through What are you doing? Yeah, smoking uh, What? My last sick. Don't worry, I don't got another pack. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow. No, I know. All right, guys, you ready for the 12 questions? Sure. Yes. <laughs> it's like you, you feel nervous. Again. I'm a bit nervous. Why? Yeah. It's not a test. There's no right Tests or wrong. make me nervous. No, it's not right. a test. It's just questions Get about out. your opinion of this industry, basically. Don't worry, we're making friends on this show. What is your favorite construction word, gentlemen? Completion. Yeah. I think it's done for the day. <laughs> Least favorite construction word. It's got to be spontaneous, Steve. You go ahead. It's not a single word. It would have to be a sentence. Sure. It could be a sentence. Can you throw this in? <laughs> oh, man. I <laughs> hate that one. Oh, eh? yeah. I want to build on that. that one. Can you do that? Yours is the same? That's baited. Can you do that? I know. Yeah, eh? That's the bait question. Anyway. Is that yours? Yes. That's yours. What turns you on in construction, gentlemen? When I've done a job and it's awesome and the client is going, I can't believe it. I can't believe what you did. Yeah. Meeting other trades and, and seeing the amazing ways they can get their product finished. You know, learning from... All different trades. That's, I, I've always been a sponge on the set. I just, I pay attention to what's going on. I, try, I can't do all of it, but I just pay attention, man. What turns you off in construction? I'll tell you one of the things that turns me off. There's probably a few things. But one of the things that turns me off is when I hear, you've got to do a really good job in this one. The guy spent $100,000 on this bathroom. And, I, and, I, and, and I'm... And I'll say it too. I say, "Whoa!" So the guy who's only spent a couple of grand, I don't have to worry there. It's like <laughs> money doesn't qualify how good the job is. It doesn't. Be. It yeah. doesn't. So I don't like the way that we culturally worship that, you know, standard. You yeah. Know? It's like no, every you do the best job everywhere you go, not because the guy spent a fortune. I don't care what you spent. People that don't have pride in their work. It's true. What is your favorite vehicle, gentlemen? Anything in the world? 
my half-ton truck. Which brand? <laughs> it's a Chevy. It's a Chevy. Yeah. What year? It's uh, 05, paid for. Mm. That should be on the truck, eh? Yeah. 05, paid for. No payments. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I love the Vets. Any Vets? Vet? Yeah, I just like the... Brand new ones? Curvy lines. The new ones? The new ones. Are really? Pretty nice-looking cars. I think it's the bed for me stopped vehicles. in the 70s. Yeah. Stingray, fiberglass, open top. That's probably tea. the best one. Nice. Yeah. It's a nice shape, beautiful shape, sexy, very sexy. Mm-hmm. Those Teslas are impressive. <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> not, not for me, man. What is your least... That would be my next question here. What is your least favorite vehicle? Oh, that'd be a Volkswagen. Any Volkswagen? Yeah, just Volkswagen. In general. We had Vo- I had Volkswagen when I was younger. I was repairing it all the time. It was a good motor. It just lasts forever. But the heater, you're freezing in the winter. Like <laughs> I'd have to say the Cube. Nissan, Nissan Cube. I, think I, think so. I don't understand that. They look like a toy. I don't ugly. understand that. And how do you put a window on the corner? <sighs> that thing needs a three-way. Yeah. <laughs> Need some structural support there. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you guys love? Well, love when you hear, you know, you've used different tools. When a tool is being used right, there's a certain sound and there's a rhythm to it. I love that. It could be somebody screwing off drywall. The skill saw running through something not banging into a piece of metal. There's just that beautiful sound of things being done right. And true. It would have to be my uh, <coughs> my motivational speaking I'm listening to while I work. That would be my favorite sound on a job site. <laughs> so not, not the job site. <laughs> <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you guys hate? The tin bashers. Now it's not as bad. Before, they used to make almost everything right at right site. Right on site. And all day long. Smash, mash, ah. mash. You don't hear it that much anymore. But you, It would have been nice if they could make it sound like tin drums and you feel like you're in the Caribbean, eh? Rhythm or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the question again? <laughs> the construction sound. sound or noise oh, you yes, hate. Yes, yes. Jack. Jackhammer. Loud. Mm. What profession other than your own would you guys like to attempt one day? I like millwork. Fine carpentry, trim. Technical, the smell, the finished product is, if you're good, usually pretty damn beautiful. So it's funny that you're saying that because I have yet to hear a trim guy say, I love drywall. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Royce? I would say carpentry, but carpentry? I, I've done it. But, I, but yeah, I like, I like carpentry. I like working with tools. Nice. What uh, profession do you guys never want to do? Insulating. Insulating? <laughs> Jeez. have to be insulating. Well, I've, I've tried all sorts of different things. Working with the public. Working with the public. Yep. Being at a, a counter. Or I've done bartending. You get some respect there, but serving people, you know, dealing with Especially maybe not the nicest people. Karen days, eh? Yeah, you know what Just I'm like, yeah. mm. Dealing with the public. You never know what you're going to get. And the last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Go back and try again. 
What would I like to hear God say? Surprise, surprise, I'm not a myth. <laughs> I love it, gentlemen. Is there, I mean, this has been great. I really don't want to cut it short, but I just, is there any other pieces of information you want to give to this future drywallers out there and mutters out there and everybody else out there? Well, there's no end to that, but you'll have to watch the YouTubes that we're going to create. I'd like to create enough uh, YouTube videos that a person could literally take them and complete a proper apprenticeship. That'd be wicked. Are you guys we're working, working on, on that? You're we're working, working on that. that. It's yeah. just like trying to bring a product to market to, to film stuff uh, and make, keep it interesting. Uh, teach people the right way to do things. and But it's got to be interesting. Yeah. Keep people's attention. Real. It's got to be realistic. It's be real. Very, very real. Get it done. Royce, guys, get it done, man. I'd like to share about, about taping and drywallers. They've got a bad reputation. Yes, they do. Generally. Yeah. And uh, that's fine. But it's, it should be respected, too. It, it's probably the largest amount of square footage finish in a home. And you want to have that done well. Well, drywall is actually structural. Yes, it is. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be done properly, like any structural component. You can just For sure. put any kind of beam or whatever, but if you're not putting it in properly, it's still not structural, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drywall adds major structure to your home. Thank you, gentlemen. Everybody, check it out again. It's three-way, three-way.ca, three-way-the-world at gmail.com. YouTube is the channel. is three-way drywall corner finishing. And on Instagram is three-way-the-world. Guys, all the best with this, man. Honestly, this is amazing. Thanks a lot, man. Honestly, this is, and everybody's got to, like, I encourage everybody to check it out. And uh, just, ch- like, you Google it, three-way, and it's there, right? You guys will find it. And then try it. Order it. Put three-way drywall in. Three-way. Oh. Be careful <laughs> about that kind of search. <laughs> Three-way drywall. Oh, that's actually, yeah, you got a very valid point there because it depends on your search history. Yeah. It might go right somewhere else, man. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. You don't want to end up with electrical switches, three-way switches. Right? With the, or something else, yeah. The extent of the porn industry, I'm surprised we were able to get to three, get uh, three-way so you, yeah, three-way.ca. three-way.ca. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Easy to remember. All the best, guys. Honestly, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Angelina. We are out of here.